Hello, and welcome to this special edition of Open Sources Guelph from CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I am Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico, and joining us shortly will be Scotty Hertz. Open Sources is CFRU's political and current affairs discussion show, and you can find us every Thursday at 5 p.m. on CFRU as we talk about the latest news items from Guelph, Ontario, Canada, and around the world. And we do sometimes interview local newsmakers and politicians, which for the last several weeks has been the candidates running in the municipal election here in Guelph for city council. I should preface that, city council candidates. And so we have come to this last grouping of candidates around the wards, appropriately, Ward 6. And in this package, we will be talking to, in alphabetical order, Ken Yi Chu, Greg DeSero, Mark McKinnon, Dominique O'Rourke, and Chetna Robinson. So those are your folks running in Ward 6. Uh, ward 6, interestingly enough, the only ward where we got to talk to every single person running in that ward uh maybe it's easier to do if there's five versus the eight in two or three we will leave that to science let's just get to these interviews starting right now so i'm joined by ken yi chu one of five candidates running for the two seats in ward six in the municipal election on october 24th but just by a way of a brief introduction can you tell us a bit about yourself my name's Ken. I'm running for Ward 6 City Councilor. And if you've seen my website by now, you probably know that I'm an urban designer and University of Guelph alumni. So I came to Guelph about seven years ago to study at, uh, for the, at the Bachelor of Landscape Architecture program. Uh, so that was about four years. And I've since been working for about three years now. And I've been working for the City of Brampton and the planning department over there. And in addition as well, I've had some uh, private sector experiences uh, working in Seattle at a multidisciplinary design firm and also for a, a local landscape architecture firm out in Richmond Hill, which did a lot of the parks uh, projects uh, up in Aurora, Richmond Hill and Markham area. I'm a design professional and I figured I put my hat in the ring for city councilor, uh, in particular for Ward 6. Uh, not only because I'm a resident, but I feel like this in this time and place in Ward 6, we're experiencing a lot of the devel development pressures that mo most other words uh, aren't typically experiencing. So figured it'd be nice to have a design and uh, planning professional uh, on council to help uh, shape the vision and uh, guidance on a lot of the major development application files. Speaking to that, uh, do you think that Ward 6 could benefit from a bit of a, let's call it a design makeover for a lack of a better word, you know, less classic GTA style and a bit more Paris? Or what, what are your views on that in terms of the way it's evolving? Well, I think we just have to first acknowledge everyone's quite concerned and some people, you know, aren't used to this scale of development that uh, we're experiencing, especially in these last couple of years. And the reality is it's not going to get any better with the new Bill 109 that uh, the province just pushed out. Uh, a lot of the pressures for expediting development is going to be incurred on a lot of uh, our planning staff. You know, the city of Guelph, as it is, has a smaller operating budget than most uh, urban municipalities. And the reality is that we're not a, we're not a small town anymore, but we're an emerging city. And I think just to answer your question, 
there there is a lot of potential along the Gordon Street corridor, and I and part of my outreach uh, this election cycle is to help get residents and uh, those who are concerned uh, to under to know that development is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, I think you know with all of us at the decision making table, there's a real opportunity to really sculpt how some of these uh, development files work. Um, and I think it starts with communication. You know, it's an old adage and cliche, but it really starts with us getting to, together and uh, just talking about the issues uh, from a design and context sensitive approach. And uh, if we are able to achieve that for some of the development application files, um, I think there is a lot of room in which we can uh, inform how the design works and also feed into some of the business pro forma that the developers uh, have um, on their end that they have to meet in order to sustain their business. So something that kind of jumps out on your campaign website, and this maybe speaks to what you just said, you have a tagline, Unite Ward 6. So in, in your view, how is Ward 6, I guess, not united right now? And further to that, how would you bring about that unity? Well, that's a great question. And I get that a lot, actually, especially uh, in my last couple campaign events. Uh, we had about 400 people show up, um, which is incredible. First of all, not a, a lot of folks don't even realize they're in Ward 6. They kind of identify within their own neighborhood. So whether you're Westminster Woods or Courtright Hills, or Rolling Hills, you kind of like residents usually identify themselves within those peripheries. And because Ward 6 is the largest ward in Guelph, some people don't really understand like the scale of which you know, all the counselors' responsibilities uh, entail. So I think part of branding my campaign as Unite Ward 6 is to sh uh, help people recognize that we we live in a pretty big and diverse uh, part of the city with a lot of healthy neighborhoods. And the issues that pertain to the South End, they, they do affect uh, Courtright Hills. And we want everyone to feel like they're part of the council makeup. Um, I've heard from a lot of residents as well, uh, particularly in Courtright Hills, that they don't really feel like their issues and concerns are really being addressed because a lot of the uh, development um, activity, for example, is all really relating to the South End, uh, just by Clare and Gordon Street. So uh, I just wanted to make an effort to you know, be more inclusive and really bring people into the fold. And that also ties into my outreach and effort as well to increase the voter turnout this time around. As you can imagine, the municipal voter turnout traditionally isn't the best. And uh, the, the last provincial election just kind of gave us a glimpse of what might be, you know, if we don't uh, sincerely go out and um, educate people and bring them into the fold for this election cycle. So I think what that last election, municipal election, there was what, 35% of voter turnout? Um, which isn't the greatest. And prior to that, we had 40%. So that's a 5% uh, drop already. And I, I certainly hope that that's not the case this time around. And so that's part of my outreach as well um, for this campaign. Beyond what you've just mentioned there, which was development, I, I know from Twitter and what you said, you've been out and about in Ward 6. Uh, what have you been hearing at the door from people? Is there sort of a theme emerging? Yeah, I think we need better public representation that, you know, that's kind of front and center from everyone that I've heard at the door. A lot of people, they're not, not even aware of who their counselors are, uh, which is quite alarming to me. And you have to understand that I'm not just reaching out to individuals that 
are uh, in tune with uh, current politics. We have uh, people that have literally just moved in a couple from a couple months ago to maybe one or two years ago. So yeah, Ward 6 is the fastest growing part of the city. And it's kind of reflective in my conversation because there's still there are people out there that sincerely want to be involved, but they don't know where to start because there's it uh, seems like there's not much engagement that's taking place. And like, I know there's COVID as well that played into people's sentiment uh, with a lack of public engagement, but I definitely think we can be more proactive in uh, reaching out to people. And that's what I've been hearing from most folks. Um, we've held a couple events and consistently they've have individuals have told me, Hey, we, we really appreciate you coming out. It means a lot to us because we, we didn't really know where to, how to get started and how to really get involved in the community, you know, up until this point. What do you think are some of the key direct to student issues and in terms of them being engaged as well, at least on the municipal front? Yeah. So it's extremely difficult to engage with students. I think last election, there, there are less than 100 or so that really voted at the polls uh, at the university. While there are a lot of students that live uh, in the South End, especially on the Gordon Street Corridor, um, most of them reside uh, in Ward 5 in the university. So uh, for me, it, the goal to reach out to the university isn't so much to gain you know, people's uh, or students' votes uh, per se, but it's really per- an opportunity for me to just show some goodwill to the university students and just show them, hey, uh, you know, if I'm able to get involved, uh, you can as well. And it's not as complicated as you think it is. Um, the issues, you know, you're dealing with people's streets, sidewalks, and things that you can see, right? Uh, there's nothing to dis- demystify uh, politically in terms of city government. Uh, we all have to work together. It's it's supposed to be nonpartisan and um, in nature. So you can get involved and you can uh, have a say. That's part of what I plan to do. I have a pretty s- strong social media presence. I tried to uh, make my website as high quality as I could make it, uh, just so information is accessible and easy to communicate. So I think those are the ways in which I'm trying to play a part in reaching out to the student uh, electorate. Assuming that you were elected and that you had the power or the ability to shape decision-making, what would be your first kind of personal order of business as a counselor? That's a good question. I think the first order of business would be to uh, reach out to my constituents and, you know, thank them at the door um, and, you know, just try to find a way in which we can establish more direct lines of communication at, at the outset. So I know a lot of candidates or counselor elects and then presume counselors, they like to set up some town halls and meet with constituents once a month. But then as time goes on, you know, the steam kind of dies down. And and that's especially uh, with what we've experienced uh, last uh, term of council, COVID didn't do any good, did it? Uh, so yeah, my, my campaign is all about uh, better communication and just shedding light on the issues through my lived experience professionally and just through my upbringings. And uh, I, I, I certainly want to learn from uh, the residents of Ward 6 as well, how we can better shape our city and how we can better inform development um, as one of many key issues. Um, and I certainly want to reach out to the different counselors. I do think there could be more cooperation um, 
And to, and I, I really hope that we can have a more unified council this time around because there are a lot of pressing issues, uh, especially relating to homelessness and affordability that we need to uh, tackle as soon as we can. So, well, thanks for joining us today, Ken. And if uh, people would like to find out more about you and your campaign, how can they get in touch? Uh, I think the best way to reach out would be to find me on social media um, at Ken Yi Chu. And I have my campaign handle as well at Chu for Guelph. Uh, Chu, literally chewing gum Chu. And you can also check out my website uh, at chewforguelph.ca. There are a lot of information, even if you don't live in Ward 6, uh, that relate to the election and uh, resources to help you navigate through the issues that um, will be talked about more presently in the next term of council. Okay, Greg DeSero, thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Uh, to start with maybe the most obvious question, um, for people who might not know you terribly well or maybe only know you from seeing your your face on a sign at the side of the road why don't you uh tell us about who you are and and why you're running sure okay um uh i've been a resident of guelph for 14 years now um single dad uh three kids uh essentially uh lived with me the whole time i was a stay-at-home dad when they were younger and um we all really love the city um when i was younger for some strange reason, my parents moved me around like every two years. So I never felt like I had a place to settle into. And I've really settled into Guelph. Um, all of my children have done the same. Um, my eldest is on her own now, not living at home and, and has chosen to be in Guelph. So it's great. I love it. Um, my background uh, from work and volunteering um, involves, um, I have a degree in English literature, so I don't know whether that's a good thing to have for a counselor, <laughs> but that's, it is what it is. Um, but my background is a lot in governance. Um, I've worked with a lot of board of directors, um, arranged the meetings, uh, worked through projects. Um, the last company I worked for in Mississauga, we did $5 million in projects. And this is a small company in capital projects over two years. You know, I was part of that team that brought those proposals to the, to the membership for approval, uh, got them approved, got them ready to go, uh, got them all done under budget, on time. Um, and then I've been uh, involved with Guelph Soccer here in Guelph uh, as a team manager and as a coach uh, and on the board for the last five years. <clears throat> um, so we've steered the club as a team from really difficult financial situations when we took over as a board to the position where we are now, where financially we're extremely healthy. Um, I'm passionate about not just soccer, but youth activities and youth sports in the city. Um, I'm worried about our lack of facilities as we grow. Um, right now, Guelph Soccer, we've had huge increases in our registrations, and we do run winter programs using the the dome mm -hmm. um, just off of college. Mm -hmm. But all of our programs right now are on waiting lists because the field in that dome is so small, and we don't have access to a bigger field. And even in the summer, um, our registrations grew by 33% and we were struggling to find enough grass fields um, to make sure that we can provide what everybody's looking for. Um, you know, and I'm, I know that our executive director at Guelph Soccer has spoken to a lot of other youth organizations in the city and we're all struggling with uh, facilities, being able to provide, um, you know, what parents and what they're looking for for their kids. Mm-hmm. 
that's a lot of responsibility. And uh, I know my niece loves playing soccer. Mm. And uh, <laughs> so I can appreciate uh, all the happy kids who love to run around with the ball. Um, what is it about, I guess, Ward 6, your ward, that you, you kind of want people to know? It, it, it's still kind of a, you know, a new area to the city. Mm. And, um, you know, but given from your experience, I, I, I'll, I'll ask you what, the question this way like what is what do, what do you think that you needs to be more to like better promoted about the ward six area and um in terms of the representation to the rest of the city what do you think ward six is missing right now well i think the area obviously is growing um and i think a lot of the area is a lot of younger families um and so to me, um, you know, we talk about recreation, obviously the South End Community Center is an important thing for me. Um, <clears throat> I know we are supposed to be getting, or my understanding is we're supposed to be getting shovels in the ground in November. Um, I'll be very glad to see if and when that happens. Um, but we have a lot of residents that I've spoken to that moved here with younger kids, looking forward to that community center being there for them to be able to use. And their kids have grown up uh, mm -hmm. in the time it's taken to get that built. Um, and it is a difficult ward. Um, yesterday, I, um, at the breakfast event we had, I spoke to a lot of other candidates from other wards. It's unique because obviously being at the South End, I think people understand that a lot of our residents are working in other cities because of the mm -hmm. access to the 401. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, a diff it's more difficult to get them involved in what's going on in the city um, because they may not be spending a lot of their time exploring the city. I know for myself, I worked in Mississauga for a long time. And when I was going out getting signatures to, to complete my nomination and, and meeting with a lot of people that I had met, I found amazing areas of the city that I had never seen. I just never been to, you know, everybody knows how to get to where you need to go to shop and where you need to go for, you know, your kids and schools and stuff. But I think the city has so much to offer um, and a lot of the residents in the South End may not be as familiar with those areas. So somehow communicating what we have, um, the great facilities that we have, the great uh, places we have that you can take your kids, that you can go, our museums um, and things like that, the downtown area and all of the shops and everything down there. It's something that um, not a lot of residents in Ward 6, I think, really understand mm. how uh, the everything that goes on in the city. And, uh, you know, I try to steer them towards people like you and, and the online uh, news facilities so that they're not just getting their news from 680 news when they're driving in to work in the morning, they're actually getting some local news and, and, mm. and just having them do a little research and find out what there is. Like I said, I discovered a lot um, and continue to do that. Um, and I think that's, that's part of the struggle we have in, at, in Ward 6. Uh, first, I appreciate that. Um, but next, uh, could the city be doing more um, and maybe this is something you can take away if, you know, if you're elected, but, you know, is people who, who arrive in new in town relatively recent, like you recent in Guelph terms, because, you know, some people have roots that go back to 19 Dickety seven and yeah. all that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in terms of acclimating people to Guelph and getting people out of their, you know, sort of neighborhood bu bubbles, could the city be doing more to, to promote itself? I think it could. I really think, you know, um, I know it's difficult because there's so many different ways for people to get their news and for people to communicate now that it's hard to know which one to, you know, I've 
you know, to utilize. Um, big, a big part of my uh, position at the company I worked for was communications. You know, we were doing emails regularly and, and, and obviously with new technology coming on, we were thinking, okay, we need to start our social media pages and we need to start um, maybe move away from printed items. But when you're talking about official documentation or you're talking about a wide age range for, for the people that you're appealing to, some people prefer their stuff written. And I don't have no problem with that. I prefer holding a book as opposed to an, an <laughs> e-book. Um, so it's hard to know and it, makes communications harder because you have to try so many different ways to get in touch. But I think, yes, it's something that we could do probably a better job of. And maybe it's um, something that, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't want to put it on top of the staff of the city because the staff of the city do tons of work and they do a lot of great stuff. And obviously um, they do the great work behind the scenes that supports the council, but maybe to have some kind of package that, you know, new residents, people moving into the town could could access um, just to let them know, you know, because um, I had to find out where the West End Community Center was when I was signing my kids up for swimming lessons or, you know, or what was available in the East End or mm. there obviously there's a lot of new development up north. Um, I didn't had no idea that Eastview was there until my children both started playing football for Guelph football. And now you go up there and they've even expanded it. Um, I've, I've gone I'm going back to to coaching at Guelph soccer and uh, my uh, my middle son is 19 years old and he's coaching with me because he's played soccer. Mm. We went up to Eastview to work with the kids and there's a whole new uh, park there for young kids. There's three new mini fields for soccer. So they keep expanding. And, you know, for us, it's, it's a fair distance from where we are, but it's a great facility. Mm. And to know that that facility is there um, would just be something that I think people would would be happy to know. And there's trails there and there's um, disc golf there. Like there's lots of different things you can do there. Um, but the big key is getting people into wanting to be involved. I think, and we had this conversation with some of the other candidates it is I've found, I've met a lot of people who are really passionate about the city, love the city, love the fact that they're here. And sometimes they're just looking for, how can I be involved? How can I, not maybe they're not ready to step up to you know be on the board of directors of a club or <laughs> you know run for council or something but a lot of them love the city and want to know more about it and want to know you know a lot of people are happy to put their roots down here and so the more we can let them know about all the fantastic things we have to offer the better chance we have that they're they're going to stay here and, and put the roots down here and start their families or or have their families grow here well uh you have chosen to try and get involved by becoming a city councillor. So that brings us to the, the most essential question of the day, which is where can people learn more about uh, you and your campaign? Um, um, they can learn more about me. I have uh, my website is Um I am on Twitter, um, Instagram and TikTok. Um, and the handle is at C Ward six. Um, so when I am regularly up, updating my website with it's kind of like blog posts on some of my campaign ideas, some of my, where I'm coming from. Um, there's a page there that outlines my values. Um, part of um, not working for a while and working with companies that are trying to get you back into the workforce. Uh, one of the things that was suggested to me a couple of times was really take stock, 
figure out who you are, what you want to do next, um, where your values lie. So I really, you know, took that to heart and really put a lot of effort into it. Um, and I found that I was getting more enjoyment out of my volunteer hours than I was out of my work hours because that was more near and dear to me. Um, I've always wanted to give back. And I think uh, city council would be a great way to do that. Uh, you know, I'd love to keep giving back to the city um, more in more ways than just, uh, you know, through the soccer. Although, that, as I say, I've, I've met a lot of wonderful people there and, and I have a lot of great friends from that group and I love being involved. But yeah, I figured for my employment, for my work life, it was important for me to do something that I really felt uh, made a difference, you know, and was and was um, a little more involved in the community than uh, than some of my positions in the past. So that's kind of where I'm coming from. And as I say, um, I keep updating my website with different ideas as I learn. This has all been a learning process to me, Adam. It's uh, <laughs> never run for office before. So and I knew that I expected that going in. But even I think the amount that I've been learning has even exceeded my original expectations as well. So I'm always learning and that's why I'm always updating because I'm getting new ideas. I'm hearing from uh, constituents. I'm hearing from other counselors, you know, it, it, all of that is being brought into the process. So that's why I continue to kind of update things as I, as I learn things. Well, you're having fun at least. So if you, yes. that's, a, that's the takeaway, uh, well, so much the better, but Greg DeSero, thank you so much for your time today. All right. Thanks very much for having me, Adam. Okay, Mark McKinnon, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me on, Adam. Uh, I asked this of uh, your current ward mate, so I thought I'd ask it of you as well. Um, as we were talking about you posting all these pictures from canvassing, um, does Ward 6 feel any smaller this time? <laughs> oh, blessedly so, yes. Uh, you know, it's it's not a gigantic area, but the impact of removing uh, that those thousands of houses in the Arkle to Courtright area really does make it feel like it's it's more representative uh, democracy in Guelph, that we have a more balanced system, which, of course, I've been advocating for years, and I'm, I'm glad we now have a system where, yes, we're still going to have maybe a little bit more in Ward 6, but it's not the imbalance that it used to be. Mm hmm. So uh, keeping that in mind um, and, you know, again, you've put in eight years on council so far or almost eight years. Um, aside from a little shrinkage, how has Ward 6 changed over over your tenure? Well, that's, that's a great question. I mean, certainly growth is the obvious answer for that. The amount of intensification during those eight years along the uh, Gordon Street corridor in particular has been massive. Uh, they've almost all been condo units, some of them rentals, some of them um, condos to, to purchase, but the the number of people added to it is is dramatic. And so we have a lot of first time um, people to the city new coming in. Uh, so they don't have the same roots that maybe other areas of Ward 6, like uh, Corright Hills, for example, the people there have, you may have lived there for decades and we don't have the same kind of roots and a lot of the people that live in the, the new condo development. So I think it's that the refreshing of having a newer ward with a lot of uh, first time uh, uh, people that come into the city. It seems like a truism, uh, although it's not essentially true, but it's how people think it's true uh, that much of your ward is uh, new folk wealth, if we can coin that term. But um, as we were saying, you know, you, there have been several thousand people moved into Ward 5 now. Those were like those a lot of those older residents you're talking about, the people who have been there for decades. So this there is and maybe you could agree or disagree uh, a sort of freshness to 
the electorate this time. Yeah, absolutely. Certainly in that area, a lot of them in the the courtright area uh, have been around for a while. But the but the newer area, McAllister over by Victoria, th- those are new uh, and they're just a few years old. In fact, uh, some of them were onboarding. I remember walking around in the last election and having to bypass some houses that were under construction at the time. So there's still a lot of new people there. But certainly we have in Ward Six, we've lost uh, the legacy people in in a kind of an upscale area that that uh, courtright. I, I don't know, you can call it Court Right East, I'd almost like Court Right East South uh, is the, the area I describe it. And of course, then there's the Arkell developments as well, and those are newer. But, uh, you know, I think the the current size of Ward 6 is is right, and I know we're going to be growing. And at some point, we'll have to do another Ward Boundary Review when Claire Maltby opens up, of course, but that's, that's a little mm-hmm. ways down the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, I realize that we try to sort of keep the council business separate from the campaign trail, but um, I I did make note of at this week's planning meeting, um, you kind of, uh, I don't know, you, you kind of addressed uh, some of the people in, in your ward, uh, maybe directly that growth is something they're going to have to get used to and maybe not taking in, I guess, launching a, a fight against every project um, that comes up, especially the high density projects, is is not something um, productive. Um, and and you know maybe you could speak to that a little. Uh, and I'll phrase the question this way: um, Was that a good call? Uh, Forty days before an election. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I've I've always governed uh, in my role of council on by what is right, not what's by popular. And so, yes, we, we're the representative of the city. But when we have good planning rationale for a development that we have a staff recommendation, it fits our overall plan, even if the specific zoning isn't in place for it. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to support it because we have that need. And I've, I've long been, uh, you know, not afraid to, to tell residents, you know, what they don't want to hear. And that is, yeah, Guelph is going to continue in particular in Ward 6 to get heavier and the traffic is going to get more. So your commute on Gordon Street is going to increase by a minute in the next year or maybe two minutes. I mean, certainly when I first moved in the South Guelph, it has been maybe three or four minutes longer to go along Gordon Street. Now, is that is that Guelph a saga that people talk about? No, not at all. We are not there. It is a little bit longer, but that intensification and that growth is important because we have to put the people somewhere and the intensification corridors is where should be people should be put. What what feels right. Just because I have a, a, an awkward feeling about a planning application, that is not a good justification for not approving it. How I feel is not important. What's important is what is good planning rationale. And that particular development on Hamilton's Corner represented everything good about planning rationale, which is why it should be approved. I do wonder, though, um, your, your stirring call for sort of a rational approach. We, we are living in an era of particularly uh, your irrationality, especially when it comes to politics, um, how has that approach served you so far? I mean, our constituents understanding that, you know, they may hate what's going to go into Hamilton Corners, but, you know, they have to live with it unless it's sort of like grossly out of bounds, like the, the proposed days in development. Yeah, and I know that it's easier to be a, a populist po- politician, uh, you know, to kind of coin the phrase that's very popular in the States right now. Um, it's easier to tell people what they want to hear. And people will often say, uh, yeah, I, w- I want a politician that tells me the truth. Uh, I, d- I don't think that's actually the case. I think we would have very different rules if people actually wanted politicians to tell them the absolute truth. What they want is they, as most people, and this isn't just a 
about politics is that most of the time people want to have people reaffirm what they already believe. And my job is not to do that. And yeah, I've been elected twice now. We'll find out if I if I will get a third term. But I think my job as a counselor is to do the right job, make the right decision. It doesn't matter if it is popular. It doesn't matter if it feels right. If it is a good rational explanation and the the planning rationale or the the program rationale, whatever it comes down to, if if it's the good decision, that's good for the city, good for the residents, and good for uh, the community and the environment. Then then it is the right choice, whether or not it's a popular choice or not. And that's something I'm always going to stand for: is doing the right thing, not the popular thing. So, I mean, how does that play when you knock on the doors and people go, "Oh, it's you." <laughs> yeah, I mean, it certainly happens. I mean, N- Niska Bridge as a, as a quick example yeah. of something that, you know, we had to replace the bridge. And if you're going to replace a bridge, it makes sense to make it a bridge that can actually take traffic both going both ways. Now, that wasn't popular with everyone, of course. Uh, and you, some some electors are absolutely single issue voters. I get that. Some issues are so important to some people that they will make their decisions based solely on that. But as a counselor, I can't be a single issue counselor. I am a multitude issue counselor. I have to look at everything, not just what's good for Ward 6, but what's good for the city as a whole. And that is how I govern. So no doubt there are people that I've talked to that are upset with a council decision, whether it's about something I did support, uh, like a Nesca bridge or uh, an intensification, or it's something that maybe I didn't support, like the the size of a, of a particular facility uh, or the uh, particular budget vote. And in the end, I know that every vote I, I cast has been done with research, with integrity. And in the end, as long as I can look at myself and say, I did the right job for the city uh, residents, then I'm satisfied. I still have bed sores from that Nesca bridge meeting, but um... <laughs> I, I wonder if this creates an opportunity um, for you, for anybody who's running for council to come at this with a new approach, like finding that balance between the need to grow. And, and it's something we don't have a lot of say in. It comes, the numbers come from the province and we can bellyache and, and but they eventually say yes or no. Um, but making sure the neighborhoods feel involved and that the residents feel involved so that it, I guess it doesn't feel like a surprise when something drops in, in their area. Yeah, certainly communication is important. And I think the city does an excellent job on community engagement, uh, posts everything well in advance on websites. There's lots of opportunities to delegate or to write letters to counselors to give your opinion. And a lot of people will think that, you know, oh, my opinion doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, it does matter. It doesn't mean it's going to change a council decision, but your input is important. And yeah, it's certainly it's easier to be to, to kind of do and say what residents want. So look, no one wants growth near them. The only reason to ever want growth near you from a residential point of view is if you do not have the commercial developments in your area and you need the, the residential developments to get that commercial. Think of the East End, for example. Until they have a certain number of residential units, they weren't going to get the commercial development. So then you can say, yeah, I want more people living near me so I can get that commercial development. Well, in Ward 6, we have all the commercial developments already. So there is zero benefits to wanting to having a high rise or another townhome complex anywhere near me, because all that's going to do is make my life more difficult. And it's Mm. easy as a counselor to say, oh, the building's too big. Oh, it's too many levels. Oh, it's too much intensity. Oh, it's too long. It's going to do this. It's going to do that. Because that plays very well with the community in the area to be the anti-growth counselor. Be far easier for me to take that position rather than saying, Guelph needs units for people to live. We have a, an affordability issue. We have a, a lack of unit issue, particularly in rental, but also in ownership. And it's, 
the right stance to come uh, and be the pro-growth counselor, given that we don't have a choice. Hey, if it was up to me, we wouldn't have that 208,000 target. We would have zero targets for mandated growth, but it's not up to me. That's the province. And so given that the province has mandated that, the right position is to say, if we're going to have to have growth, let's ensure we get the best growth possible as quickly as possible to ensure that we do it correctly and we do it within the mandates of what our planning act requires. And if you just heard a wolf howl at the moon, it's because Mark brought up the East End grocery store issue, but we will have to leave that there. Um, The most essential question, though, Mark, and it's the last question, uh, where can people find more information about your campaign? Uh, certainly at my website, uh, markforward6.ca. Uh, you can go there. And of course, all my social media accounts, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or, you know, go markforward6 is my handle. So yeah, please do engage with me, reach out, uh, and I'd be happy to talk to you there. All right, perfect. Mark McKinnon, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Seth. Okay, Dominique O'Rourke, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Uh Does Ward 4 feel smaller, or excuse me, Ward 6, I should say. Uh, Does Ward 6 feel smaller this time? A little bit, but, you know, it's always been a really large ward geographically. But I'm uh, I'm I'm sorry to to see the folks north of Arkle Road go, and um, uh, that was a lovely community. So the, it is a little bit smaller this time, which really was a long time coming because uh, the folks in Ward Six had been severely underrepresented for a number of years, and so that ward boundary review readjusts the representation by population, which I think is really important. And they how about call me though? They can still call you. They can still call me. I still care. Yeah. They can still call you if they miss you. Um, (laughs) Or get your newsletter or follow you on Twitter. There you go. Um, For you personally, is running different this time as kind of like a seasoned pro at uh, campaigning and uh, succeeding in an election? Are, Are you doing anything different this time? No, we're still going to meet people at the door. I'd say I'm starting a little bit later than last time, mostly through personal circumstance. So last time, May 1st, I was ready to go. We were knocking on doors in July. Uh, This time, I feel like the public has a bit of election fatigue. And so I was letting the summer pass and get organized. Personally, it feels different because last time, you know, I didn't know a lot about master plans or, um, you know, transit plans or how you know civic budget municipal budgets work so there was a lot of that there was a lot of listening Uh, I'm still listening I'm still asking people at the door what their top concerns are but I'm able to answer knowledgeably a lot more questions so they want to know you know what is happening with the South End Rec Center so I can answer those questions really from a a position of knowledge which is lovely Uh, by and large people are pretty happy which is great it is tough for any candidate to knock on your door and and ask you to vote for them. That is a hard thing to do, regardless of uh, the per- if the person's a newcomer or seeking re-election. Mm-hmm. I know this is kind of a, a big thing with you in, in terms of talking about uh, your ward um, and and I guess visibility, for lack of a better word, but you know, making sure people understand and appreciate. Uh, Ward 6 is a, a, a part of Guelph, the newer part of Guelph to be sure, but a part of Guelph just the same. I realize that maybe for the citizens of Ward 6, they do feel that they are Guelphites uh, full and true. Um, but when, you, when you're talking, you know, uh, outside your area, are you feeling that uh, Ward 6 is being seen more? That uh, maybe uh, it, it to, to those of us who live in the northern end, uh, we, we are more 
embracing of the South End experience? So I'm certainly trying to raise the profile of Ward 6 and of its issues. And I'm a really strong believer that we need to have something attractive for people from other parts of the city to come to. So I was a big proponent for Claire Malby's secondary plan to say, what will attract people here? Uh, the first round of dates for Hot Summer Nights did not have a South End Park in it. And mm. so I asked, what is the process for choosing these parks? Because you can't ignore everything south of Stone. Uh, I feel the same way about uh, consultation. So we have a consultation for downtown where the pop-ups are strictly downtown. Mm. But there's no reason you couldn't have a pop-up at Stone Road Mall or other locations to find out, are you going downtown? If so, what do you think? Are you not going downtown and why? We really need to broaden that consultation piece and not just rely on the online piece. If we're having the pop-ups, have them more broadly. I was online last night, Stormwater Management, same thing. They have three pop-ups. None of them are in the South End. And yet I've been here uh, for 20 years. The folks in Port Wright East have been there for much longer. The folks along Edinburgh have been there for much longer. I mean, we're, we need a voice in these things and we need to be included. You know, people look at the South End and they say, well, they have everything. We have mm. a lot of private infrastructure and we have very little public infrastructure, which is why I keep pushing so hard for the South End Rec Centre that has also been promised for 20 years. So when I bought my house in 2000, the realtor said a rec centre was coming soon. And my kids are 15 and 18 and they may never set foot in there. So I'm going to keep pushing. Uh, it's too late for my family, but it's there's plenty of time and we'll get it done for my neighbours who have little kids. So, you know... Um, we need to look at the city as a whole. We're not Tokyo. I've said that before. We should be able to embrace the whole city. In Toronto, they'll go to the beaches one weekend and they'll go to the Danforth the next weekend and they'll go downtown the weekend after that. And there's no reason we can't do that here in Guelph. Uh, there, there are parks in Ward 6 right now, right? Oh, there are gorgeous parks in Ward 6. <laughs> Actually, you know, if you look at a map, Ward 6, Ward 5, we're probably the lungs of the city with Preservation Park. Absolutely gorgeous. I will tell you, though, there are parks like Oran Reed Park, where mm. if you look at the city website, it says the next phase of master planning uh, will will take place when budget allows. But it's been like that probably for 10 years. Mm. So there are parts that, of the South End that have an approved master plan, and they've been leapfrogged by a number of other things over the course of several years. So that's one of the reasons that I'm running again to keep an eye on those things because we do see at the budget time what the projects are and sometimes councillors say, oh, I want to move this up. Well, I'm there to make sure that uh, the South End Rec Centre and some legacy projects and the voice of Ward 6 is heard clearly. The other thing is we have significant impacts of development. Mm -hmm. You know, the people in Ward 6, it's not NIMBY when they say there's tons of overflow parking in my neighbourhood. That's their reality. We believe everybody else's lived experience except apparently when it comes to overflow parking and, and their experience of Gordon street, right. Which does have, you know, improvements coming, but six of the 10 most serious injury or deadly collisions, six and 10 mid block collisions are between Claire and Courtright. Okay. Mm. Six and 10. It means it's a terrible stretch of road. It means there is an impact of all that intensification. And if it were anywhere else in the city, people would be paying attention. Mm -hmm. So I'm hopeful that Gordon Street improvements that are coming um, will be helpful. They'll, they'll add a turning lane from Lansdowne to Lowe's. But people in Ward 6 need to have somebody who knows this stuff and who is advocating for them. Mm -hmm. 
I guess part of this too is, and and you know this, um, it, it seems like a planning meeting doesn't go by that there isn't a, a a plan for something along Gordon or something in in your area. I guess how do you balance, you know, the fact that Guelph does need to grow, um, and and I guess how do you how do you balance that with a lot of that growth seems to be incidentally, or perhaps uh, by design, uh, happening on Ward Six. So totally true. We need to grow. We have the intensification corridor. But people in Ward 6 were shown an intensification plan and concepts for that intensification corridor. So if a developer wants to build within that sandbox, which is what people were shown, which is what they were told, it's what the planner said it could absorb, there's no problem there. The problem is when you have a developer who wants four times the density on the same piece of land. A problem I have is the cumulative impacts of rapid succession of those developments. So if you look, and I, I don't have the sheet with me, but it's been, I've been in the newspaper with my clipboard showing how <laughs> much development is taking place around Gordon and Arkell, which we know has natural heritage limitations, so we can't widen the road. It is the third deadliest intersection in the city. Okay, We know there's a problem at Gordon and Arkell, and we keep going above what is permitted there. So I'll give you an example. Look, there will be development. I just want it to be appropriate. I want it to not cast a shadow on everyone who's there already. I mm. want it to not have negative environmental impacts, right? The people in Ward 6, they know that development is coming. They just want something reasonable that fits. So I'll, I'll support that. That's not a problem. Um, you know, you talk about there's not a not a planning meeting that goes by that, uh, that we don't talk about Ward 6. It, it's not quite true, but it feels true. <laughs> Uh, September 12th, we have two. We're going to bookend Arkell Road. I ran because of Arkell Road, because of all those developments and no real sense that we were taking into consideration the whole. Mm -hmm. But on September 12th, the decision meeting for the high school at Victoria and Arkell, that will be a decision to change the permitted uh, use of the land. So that'll be fine, but it's good progress for the high school. Mm -hmm. And the development application for um, what was Hamilton's garage at Gordon and Arkell. Mm -hmm. So we're going to bookend the street. We're going to talk about Arkell Road a lot. You're going to hear me talk about uh, the inability to widen there. Um, you know, so I'm I'm on it. I'm really on it. Uh, I, I'm not sure anybody digs deep into those <laughs> development applications like I do. And sometimes it's, you know, it's things like we're going to need another stoplight. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes you need that local knowledge and context. But I saw the report back for uh, for Hamilton's Garage, that location, and staff. You know, there's a point by point how they answer the concerns. And they've done some important stuff like there's no longer an entrance off of Arkell because there's a steep incline and uh, and there's short storage between the, um, the intersection and what that proposed entrance was. So staff are on it as well. Um, I just really want the rest of council um and staff to to hear the real concerns of folks in ward six and they're legitimate okay i think that was an answer to three questions so i'll wrap up by uh <laughs> by asking you um this most essential question which is how people can learn more about your campaign sure so they can visit uh, o'rourke ward six.ca that's the website they can email me at o'rourke underscore ward six at rogers.com uh i'm on social media at uh, Elect O'Rourke, that's on um, Facebook and Twitter. And they can still, you know, if, so that's election stuff. But if they have a concern about city stuff, 
uh, counselor work, they can still reach me at my council email address, which is dominique.org at wealth.ca. Wealth.ca, and I'm on social media uh, there as well. A lot of stuff to, a lot of balls to juggle in the air. So we appreciate that. And we appreciate you joining us, uh, Dominique O'Rourke. Good luck on the campaign. Thanks. And thanks for what you do, Adam. It's important. We're now joined by Chetna Robinson, one of the five candidates running for the two available seats in Ward 6 on October 24th. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much. For our listeners who may not know who you are, can you tell us a bit about yourself? Sure. I am a mother of school-age children. I work at a private college that teaches software redevelopment, like reskilling. So if people are in industries and they want to become a software developer, we very quickly teach them the, how to take on those skills. And a lot of it is just teaching them the mindset of, you know, you can do it. So I spent a lot of my time telling people, no, it's not impossible. You can absolutely do that and trying to figure out solutions to, you know, problems that pop up. I live in Ward 6. I like long walks on the beach. I love reading. That's pretty much me in a nutshell. Most candidates have had some time to get out and about, to hit the pavement, out in the riding. What have you been hearing from the people in Ward 6? Is there any issue that's top of mind these days? Uh, I think there's two things that people always immediately bring up. And one, and I think this is the biggest issue, is that they don't know what's going on. They're kind of feeling very surprised. And so I think a lot of it has just been engagement with them. You know, Dominique's been doing a great uh, job with the newsletter and stuff, but she's only one person. And I think that there is a lot of people in the ward that are, are newer there. And when you first show up, it's not like you get a little, you know, a handy post-it note that is like, oh, by the way, these are the people you need to follow on Twitter. And this is the city website. And this is where you get this information. And so they, you know, they go to sleep one night and then they wake up and there's a 20 story building next to them. And they, I mean, obviously not, I'm, I'm hyperbolizing for effect, but they really don't uh, know what the plans are and they don't know what the justification for the plans are. And I think a lot of times I've talked to people and they said, oh, if I had known that, then I would have felt better about this other thing. And so now that I know the facts, I understand what's happening. And then the other thing is just it's traffic. There's there, uh, largely because of all these things that are happening within Ward 6. A lot of people are really concerned about the way that Gordon Street uh, is being managed in terms of traffic. So, yeah, that is something we're seeing in, in Ward 6, the result of previous planning decisions, Clare Road, Gordon Street, that, that whole corridor, and more to come, obviously. So how would you like to see the future development of that evolve? I think one of my biggest advocacies is that we need to do things right the first time. I've been digging through a lot of these development files over the past few years, and I think that asking some different questions with the developers and insisting on certain other things in terms of traffic management before it gets built is a really good way of dealing with the problem. We have a really great plan for like multimodal transit, and I think that's really important because it's great to just say, you know, we have to minimize the impact of cars and we don't want to have too much sprawl, which means we need to have, you know, density. But unfortunately, you can't just do that without also having the plans in place. You need to have the bike lanes, you need to have reliable buses, you need to have that multimodal transit available for people because they can't go five or six years taking a bus and potentially being late for everything. So I think a lot of it is just making sure that we, we have the technologies, we have the, the studies, we have the staff recommendations, everything is in place for us to do this right. We just have to make sure that when we move forward with plans that we've thought about all of this and we're not just get letting developers kind of get away with, oh, that, that'll work. Don't worry about it. That's going to be fine. Because then what happens is then 10 years from now, we just end up using our tax dollars in order to pay for the rebuilding of that infrastructure or, you know, the filling in of the stuff that we missed in the first place. 
That relates to something else you've mentioned in your campaign materials is the ease or lack of ease in which somebody can navigate the mechanisms of City Hall, sort of access to info and the accessibility of that. What would you do uh, if elected to bring that into being? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So this has been a big thing I've been noticing um, throughout my research before I began running. And now that I am running, like, I'm very blessed to have uh, an education and English is my first language. And I am very good at reading large amounts of information just because I do that at work and kind of breaking it down into more manageable pieces. But that is not what it should take in order to have a basic idea of what's happening. So that is that's a a big frustration for me, because again, the technology exists, like it really would be very easy to just have you know, Dominique's got her newsletter, it would be easy to do uh, more newsletters, do mailers, and just make uh, an app. There are so many great developers out there that can do very quick and easy apps to be able to say, look, if you want a permit, this is where you go. If you want to, you know, find the local park with you that has a splash pad and a bathroom, this is where you go. So I think a lot of it is just utilizing existing technologies, but then also being aware that not everybody has technology, right? And so we also need to reach the people that are, like my mom's on a flip phone. She, she's not going to be able to access uh, an app and she's certainly not going to be able to learn how to use it. So I think making sure that we access all the people that don't have access to technology and utilize printed materials and and being out there in the public, you know, being able to just get into a community group and start talking to people like going to PTA meetings or going to local barbecues and just saying, hey, you know, did you know this is happening and what are your thoughts? on it makes a huge difference. Something else that you've mentioned uh, in your platform, and I've heard this from others as well, is that there's a, a bit of a disconnect between the South End and the rest of the city, I guess being the new the new area, the new South End, let's say. How do you see that gap getting bridged? Yeah, I, I hear that a lot. I, I've even heard it throughout the, the political interviews that you you guys have been having with the candidates, um, because, you know, that's, and I see it on, on the internet that, you know, Guelph ends at Stone Road. And it's, uh, I think the biggest thing that we can do to bridge that gap is events, is having stuff that is happening in Ward 6, where we can invite people from the rest of the city, and then vice versa, you know, people from Ward 6 to be going out there. I think a big thing that stops residents from Ward 6 from going into the city is that we have no way of getting back safely like if we drive great that's fine but I can't go to a bar have a drink and then drive home right and so but I also can't go and take a bus home because there is no bus there's just no bus that that travels that late so I think a lot of it is you know we have great plans that are happening within the next 10 years but um, planning for the the gap in between when that is built and now. Um, but I want to have, I want to have like a big festival in Ward 6 and have people come over and see how awesome there's so many cool businesses in Ward 6 and there's lots of really great neighbors. And so I think it to make all the residents in Ward 6 feel welcome and also invite the rest of the city. You know, I, d- I don't think twice about going to Riverside Park. And so I want to invite people. We have that awesome like Dragonfly Park in Ward 6. So everybody should come and, and hang out with us there. Oh, well, speaking of parks, that's another one of your key concerns you've mentioned is the shortage of parkland and it also relates to the much delayed uh, rec center you called it uh, social malnutrition which is a term that's kind of come out of the pandemic in terms of lack of resources and things for particularly young people to do what do you think the remedy is for that in your view Yeah, and this is a a really difficult one, because I think a lot of us that have children of any age have really seen that the pandemic affected their mental health in a lot of ways, you know, during a time when they should be going out and socializing, they should be chatting with people, they were kind of stuck at home. And like, 
I'm sure my kids love me and I very much love my kids, but you don't want to spend every single waking minute of your day with your mother. It's, it's infuriating and it's not good for them. So the solution is, uh, is to create more parks. Uh, unfortunately, it's not as simple as just saying, you know, make more parks because we need to acquire more land. We would need to acquire a lot more hectares of land in order to actually provide the parks that we have you know, said that we need. And so I think that staff has already recommend that we start thinking about strata parks, which is a park that would be like on top of a building. And so I think we need to get a little creative in terms of how we're going to be doing that park. And then we need to build the rec center. We very much need to build a rec center. And then we need to utilize the space that we have in parks a lot better. You know, like the park right next to my kid's school has a tiny little play structure on it. And then a bunch of just kind of empty dead grass where we could put splash pads in there. We could put a basketball court in there. We could put various other things that would get the kids actually active and moving. One of the big things that I'd really like to see too is parks that are inclusive and that think about all types of bodies. You know, skate parks are dope and I love them, but not every child is necessarily going to go and enjoy that. A lot of studies have shown that girls strongly prefer parks that have circular swings because they want to go and they want to be able to chat with their friends and not just girls, but, you know, people uh, or, you know, boys that don't necessarily have the same type of masculinity as the ones that are choosing to go to skate parks. And so having parks that appeal to all sorts of different kids I remember being a kid and if I didn't have somewhere to go I would then go and destroy something I would get bored and I would just go do you know whatever teens do I think right nowadays it's burning tires in the park um at the time it was you know uh, I don't even remember I don't want to out myself by telling you how old I am but at the time it was talking to random people on BBC boards and you know being silly on the internet but I think it's really important for kids to to have healthy places to go and I think that in order to have parks we're going to have to start thinking about how we can do that instead of just taking up uh, plots of land we need to have creative parks like strata parks so if, if you're elected and we ask everyone this question what would be your first order of business what would you like to see on top of the agenda in october uh well that event for sure uh, i would definitely like to do like a like nice little fun harvest festival uh and then working on disseminating some of the information you know even our trans if you want to know about our transit master plan you have to read a few hundred pages of literature if you want to know about our general like plans for the future so i think i would just really work on creating resource documents that were basically frequently asked questions what does this mean what does that mean you know where does the budget come from uh and then i would make sure that those go onto the city website uh, and onto an app and onto a mailer and so that people kind of had some answers about all the stuff that has been troubling troubling them recently when the voters of six go to the polls on October 24th, why should they choose you as one of their picks? Oh, that's that's sweet. I get a chance to like pitch my case. Uh, I think the main reason is that, I mean, I'd be good at it. I'm very approachable. I can sit down with just about anybody and have a conversation with them. Uh, I'm very easy to talk to and I and I really make an effort to understand and hear people's issues. And then I'm also really good at explaining, like I'm really good at digging into all these documents and putting them down into a, you know, too long didn't read this summary. And so voting for me means that you're gonna have an empathetic and engaged counselor who is doing the homework and making sure that Ward 6 is invited. Well, thanks for joining us today, Chetna. We're out of time, but if people would like to get in touch with you and find out more about your campaign, where can they do that? I have a website. It's www.robinson4u, like Mrs. Robinson, and then F-O-R-Y-O-U. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at robinson for you and you can um, shoot me an email anytime you want. It's Chetna at robinson4u.ca. Great. Thanks, Chetna. Thank you. And that's it for this special edition of the show. We hope you liked it. 
You can stay connected to us at our website at opensourcesguelph.com. You can find us on Facebook at Open Sources Newswire, and we're on Twitter at OS underscore Guelph. You can listen to any episode of Open Sources by downloading it from our website. You can get it from the Guelph Politicast channel on Podbean or via your favorite podcast app at Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson, or you can check out my news and politics site at guelphpolitico.ca. You can find Scotty on Facebook and Twitter at Scotty Hertz, H-E-R-T-Z. And you can find out all sorts of information about CFRU, including programs and volunteer opportunities and the weekly top 20 list. You can find all of that at CFRU.ca. Coming up on Open Sources in the next couple of weeks on the October 13th and October 20th show, we will have interviews with the people who are running to be the next mayor of Guelph. That is at our regular time, Thursday at 5 p.m. And for all things Open Sources or CFRU, stay tuned to this feed. The hits just keep on coming, and we will see you next time.